The wait is over. The stars are aligned. And Texas hockey is back. Start taking away. Robertson scores! Bigger and better than ever. The Dallas Stars return to American Airlines Center for their home opener Thursday, October 12th to take on the St. Louis Blues. And you won't want to miss a single shot, hit, or save. Oh, what a save! How in the world? In what promises to be a dynamic season. Secure your seat now at DallasStars.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hello, and yes, here to inform, to delight, probably confuse. As the announcer said, I am Daryl Ray, and here with me once again is Mike Heike, and this is yet another satisfactory Podman Rush. Start with this one, Mike. Thursday was the 30th anniversary of the first ever Stars game in Texas. 30th anniversary. A 6-4 win over the Detroit Red Wings, or Detroit, as you people from up there tend to say. So hashtag Texas hockey indeed, huh? Huh? I agree. 100%. I mean, that was no, a bit of a milestone that just seemed to kind of just kind of flittered away and nobody really thought about it. Um, it was a very important night. I will say that at Reunion Arena and uh, it was pretty cool. I well, they to lost a preseason game to St. Louis this Thursday. You mean? No, no. The anniversary of the uh uh, first game at American Air, not American Airlines, I'm sorry, at Reunion Arena. Mm. I messed it up. Mm. Uh, I went to some of the exhibition games that were played there. And they were and, called exhibition games back then. They were back then. This is back when, uh, what was it, Gretzky came to town. And somebody somebody was in the Red Wings were in for one of those too uh, before they actually moved here, before the team moved here. Do you know who started in goal for that Gretzky team? Hmm. You're talking to him. Really? So you played at a. At I started. Arena. I started. I I think that was the first ever National Hockey League game at Reunion Arena. You probably I've told right. you that story before. I think you have. Yeah. I got bigger. It's a good memory. I I got bigger applause for like a blocker save from center than I did like stoning someone. I think we played the fly, played the Flyers. I think here. That um, makes sense. Memory. Anyway. Continue on, Mike. Yes, you and your <laughs> exhibition games. It was fun. And then the fact that everybody got to actually have a real hockey team. Um, I was here from 83 to 93 with almost no hockey coverage. So back in the day when there was no internet, when there was really no mm -hmm. cable hockey coverage, the newspapers didn't care uh, to finally get a team and to finally be a part of the NHL. It, it was a big deal for hockey fans down here. So you were at that game, the I was. first game that. Yeah. Did, did Neil Broughton score the first goal? Am he I right? Did. Yeah, you are. There you go. How about that? Well, Texas is up. Texas is own Neil Broughton. Yeah, hashtag he's a, Texas he's a rancher. <laughs> uh, this coming Thursday will be the one thousand one hundred and thirty seventh regular season game in Texas. How about that? Seems like a lot. And uh, this is all compliments of 
of the uh, stat bozo that we have on our broadcast, the, the great Josh Clark. They have a, a 636 win percentage at home since winning that game that you witnessed back in 1993. That is the fourth best at home win percentage of any NHL team since the North Stars moved from Minnesota down to the great state of Texas back in the summer of 1993 and began in earnest in October of 93-94. They have treated the fans well here. 30 like years just, of treating the I fans well. I know, 30 well. years. And, and I mean, yes. if you go to, a, you don't go to the Stars game, there's a really good chance the uh, team will come out with the uh, win. Although Indeed. my friend Daryl Ray says that's a points percentage, not winning percentage. What's that? Like there were there were ties back in the day, so that's really not a winning percentage, is it? Hey, look again. Who did I say sent it to me? <laughs> I just laughed because you are not getting murdered by this. I, I am not getting murdered by this. <laughs> I ask a question, he sends me the number. It says right there, point winning percentage decimal. Oh. Six three six win percentage, right? But it's a points percentage because of it's course. a percentage of points that you acquire. It's the fourth best at home. Let's just go with that. Let's let's go with that one. I agree right. with you on that. Questions, Mike? Uh, you do a hey hika. Hey two. Yeah, here I don't even know what uh, to call this, but we threatened to take questions or answer or try to answer questions from the uh, nether reaches, those that consume the Podman rush and I don't know. What do we call it? The counterattack? If we're the Podman rush, shouldn't it be the counterattack? I like that. Yes. Uh, uh, so one of the questions I got uh, across the various platforms that I'm on is, and it's a good one. Are there any new rules this season? Cause it feels like, Every year there are new rules. We love changing our game. Well, the answer to that is not really. Uh, because the the league, I thought they did a great thing this summer. They have their general manager meetings. So Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the league and the hierarchy of the National Hockey League and all the general managers are at this meeting. Well, this year they brought all the head coaches to the meeting as well. Maybe maybe they're just looking for the future uh, coach swapping that they're going to do. I don't know. But but it was the first time that they brought the coaches and they had a sort of a general assembly conversations about the game and that. And they felt the game's in a really, really good spot right now. And let's just let it cook. So there aren't any real what you would call new rules or changes to the rules there are some augmentations and some focuses. One of the major ones that we were told is a heightened focus on slashing, which I don't fully understand it. I mean, if you compared hockey and lacrosse to one another, you watch a lacrosse game and slashing is just part of defending. There's a certain type. There's where you can and where you can't, how you do and how you're not allowed. But but you're allowed to basically hack at a guy when you're defending. And I've, I've always thought to myself, you know what? 
if if they're going to wear gloves and elbow pads and protection, then why why don't you allow uh, the odd little love tap? <laughs> I know they've broken fingers, but part of that's on the players themselves not wearing uh, protective enough equipment than it is the actual act of slashing. Like they're not clubbing each other with you know thick uh, tree branches like they did back in the day like solid core uh, oak or whatever the heck they were making sticks out of back in the day. Now they're just hollow polymers and, and they break easily in that. Now I, I think they should allow a little more slashing. That's just me though. Uh, per our earlier uh, discussion, Daryl, I'm going to go with the, uh, I like the wussy way of doing it because it might lead to more offense. Could you imagine if you were able to handle the puck unfettered by a person's uh, branch and stick, you know, hacking well, up your arms? Well, let me say this to that, Mike. Maybe uh, the the true core of our sport is fighting through some of that crap that goes on. And that's why we have a much higher uh, respect factor with some of the players that are able to fight through a little bit of an obstacle. But no, 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 no. That's that's the world in 2023. We want to make sure that it's almost a frictionless path to the opposing net. Let's not make it difficult for anybody. Let's make it as easy as humanly possible. Is that what you're saying, I Mike? Agree, I agree 100% with your statement there, Daryl. <laughs> I actually agree with yours. It's like, you know, the greatest league on planet Earth NFL, they just decided, you know what? You can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch him. Can't touch him. And they they don't seem to have an issue with passing records that are outrageous nowadays and that. Meanwhile, back in the day, Aikman's taking the crown of helmets off the chin five times a game. And anyway, hey, it's progress. Moves along. But anyway, that that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to uh, come down hard on on slashing, or at least you know any of those those taps and that. They're gonna they are going to punish, which brings us to one of the other changes they're going to make fouls. So it's not going to be a slashing foul. All fouls are now infractions. They made that verbiage change complete, and one of the other ones they did. I'm interested to see how how you view this thing. They did change the word linesman to linesperson in the official rule book and the official also, also way the of way we're things. going in our society. <laughs> okay, you have an issue with that? I don't actually. No. I, it's all it's all verbiage. I, I think you're. I think you're. I'll a be honest person. with you. I like it. No, and, and here's why. I'm and I'm not even I'm not being flippant yeah. or anything. Like we're we're gonna end up with women officiating our games. We should. Yeah. I wish yes, we did already. And how they're linesmen. He's a she's a linesman, is what we would have to say if that was the case. Yes. Now it's a lines person. Yes. I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, you know they ch- they changed the Canadian national anthem, something to <laughs> ponder here on Canadian Thanksgiving, to make it more inclusive to everybody. Yeah, national anthem. 
little ahead yeah. of it. It's much like Thanksgiving. We're a little ahead of you Americans with our Thanksgiving. We do it a little earlier. We're early, we say sorry quicker, and we also give thanks just a little bit quicker than you Americans do, or us Americans do. We, I was going to say, if, if we could just combine Canada and America into one person, how would amazing be, would that be? It would be me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one one more nugget on on the rule book, and then thankfully, mercilessly, we'll move on. Uh, mercifully, did I get I that wrong. Right. Yeah, uh, what they didn't do once again, Mike, and please humor me on this one, is change the red line rule, nor its phrasing. I don't know if you're aware of this or not. I don't know if any of you people out there listening intently right now are aware of this. My big issue, and it has been for years and will continue to be, is that we run the red line straight through the 32-team logos of the National Hockey League. Now, some teams have gone back to the bifurcation, I guess, of their logos at center ice where they put them on each side of center, as many teams did back in the day. Philadelphia is doing that this year. Others, Montreal did it for years, and then they just gave in, allowed the CH to be sliced in half by the NHL's red line. In some of the buildings around the league, Mike, not only is the red line uh, destroying the logo of that team at center ice, it's also illegally doing so. Whoa. I can't, I, every year I read this part, it might be the only part of the rule book I read, <laughs> but I read this part about the actual red line. And, I'll quote it again this year. I just read it moments ago. This line, the center line, this line shall contain regular interval markings of a uniform distinctive design, which will readily distinguish it from the two blue lines. Now, that was for black and white television. Back yes. <laughs> yes. We will see whether. Teams and buildings like in St. Louis or Boston. I think Vegas was a solid stripe too, wasn't it? Wow, I don't know. I could be. I, I'm, could not, be. I'm not as committed to this Come cause on. as you are. <laughs> Get on board. The, they, they just have a solid red stripe that goes across center ice. In illegal, clear violation. An illegal, a violation, an infraction of the NHL's rule book. And yet, does anything happen? Do they force them to put some kind of uh, a distinctive and uniform design across it as an aftermarket? No, they don't. They just ignore it. I, I wanted to bring it up. I wanted to bring it up in, in our meeting with the league. And I'm sure the answer would have been, well, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's kind of, I'd be like, well, excuse me, are there any other of your rules that we just interpret individually, rink to rink, around the National Hockey League? Dare I say no? <laughs> we need Spotter to run out there, first playoff game in Vegas, with the book going like, we start on the power play, we start on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, reminder, as we get into this here, pre-regular season reminder. Last season was a, a terrific campaign, both individually and collectively by the Dallas Stars. In fact, Mike, how many guys finished like top five, top 10 
in individual award voting last year? Quite a few compared to what we've seen in, in the past. Yeah, I was I was wondering that. And th- the, there wasn't as much transparency back in the day on voting in that. So you have no right. idea, you know, outside of the guy that won it for a while. You didn't even know who finished second or how many votes back or certainly not fifth or eighth or anything like that. But man, there there was a gaggle of Dallas Stars who were right there. Uh, and, you know, some should have probably been a little bit higher. But to go down the list, like, there there was a half a dozen, more than that, I think. So uh, Jason Robertson <laughs> had a, just a, who needs training camp? I don't even know why right. we asked Pete questions about training camp this morning. Robertson proved last year it's all moot. Nothing matters. Misses all training camp and then finishes fourth in the National Hockey League in MVP voting. And also locked down the number one spot on the end of the year all-star team at left wing. Yep. Just the the third time in franchise history that's happened. Jamie Benn has the other two. A first-team all-star. Is that right? Yes. Like Madonna and them didn't back in the day? Madonna was going at center against Lemieux and all those guys. Uh, Yeah, I I was with you. You know, the goalie, I would have thought, you know, would have gotten it at least one of those one year. Wow. But when Jamie won the first, when he was first team all-star, that was the first time it had happened in franchise history. Wow. Okay, Miro finished seventh in Norris voting. All of, are you still a member of that, that clown car? No. Uh, they no, should, I get paid. I get paid by a team. So they, a, they, they think I'm kind of. I love biased. asking you that every year, though. <laughs> they uh, they should be embarrassed for that. That that's just not doing their jobs. Uh, Otter fifth in Vezina voting. I bet you he finishes like five times five spots higher than that this year. Uh, Pete DeBoer was eighth in Jack Adams voting as coach of the year. That's on us. We're the ones that do that voting. I did my part. That's a car of your own making. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) I did my part. Hey, the guy that used to coach here was going to win it. Nobody was going to beat that record, were they? No. 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 Montgomery. Uh, What else do we have? Joe Pavelski, I thought, should have won the Lady Bing. I agree with you. Or or if not win it, should have been a runner-up. He finished fifth. He finished fifth. And then... uh, not surprising with me stating all the stuff that I just did. The general manager of the team, Jim Nill, finished as GM of the year. And that one's voted on by his peers. It's kind of a weird one because they vote on it after the first round. Correct. Like all, these, is- other, all these other ones are voted on before the playoffs. General manager, they just wait around with each other and they're like, okay, well, let's see who's uh, GMing turned out uh, here in the first round. Bing. There you go. So he was, uh, I think it was like the third time he's been up for it, right? Yes. Yeah. So there you go. And that and was I well won, deserved. I, I won another Emmy, too. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. but you, I've heard you, stuff like that. You can toss that one in the hopper. Although I think, I think I've heard more about Brian, Brian Ray's Emmy than Daryl Ray's Emmy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he, he talked about that at training camp quite a bit. He did. He did. Do you, do you think he'll wear it around his neck on uh, opening night? On it Bally? wouldn't surprise no. He's very excited about it. Well, good for him. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
So they know they're good. Right? They know they're good. The, the question, I guess, is are they better? Like, are they six wins better? In the regular season, it's easy to figure out six wins. I'm, I'm talking the overall. I mean, six wins, the reigning GM of the year has talked about this. It's, it's one win a month. It's one yep. win a month. One win a month. Yeah, you don't lose 11 in overtime or shootouts or well, whatever. Yeah, that we'll talk help. a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about that too. Um, yeah, because, I mean, you, they fix overtime and it's tough friggin' da, right? Yeah. But six more victories come playoffs and you're cup champs. That's, yeah. that's how far and yet how close they were last year to winning it all. You could even make the argument, and I've had this discussion with friends, is that if they just get through Vegas, you know, then who knows with Florida, with what they were at the end. And I mean, like you can sit there oh and break God, it down. Yes. If you, you can break it down and say, if they just would have won one of those two overtime games, game one and game two against Vegas or whatever. I mean, they, you know, overtime. Jamie didn't have his. Didn't we just talk yeah. about overtime? Uh, yeah. Fix. And Jamie didn't have his fix, thing. Fix overtime. overtime. Ta friggin. So you're saying they're close. Yeah. And I mean, not tiddlywinks close, like close, close. There you go. Not horseshoes close. Close, close. I like that. Close, 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 close. See those rings? They trotted out their rings today on the uh, socials, those golden nights. First time in a long time that there's been a golden, like a gold ring. Everyone goes with the either white gold or platinum and that, uh, this was, this was yellow diamonds and gold. It's, it's a little gaudy, which is great. It should be. It's Vegas. Right. And so much detail to it. You know, you think back to the stars winning theirs in 99 and uh, there was Australian green diamonds involved in, in that one. Uh, and just what it was. And and how proud and you should I don't care what your ring looks like you should always be right. proud of of a ring I I can think back to some of the ones the early the first one they won in Edmonton when I was around there and I mean it it looks like a high school ring now compared to the <laughs> the dazzlers they trot out but it was an impressive impressive run impressive victory and equally and fittingly impressive bling on uh, the Golden Knights, and we'll see them in game number two. Uh, Before we talk about the beginning of the season, though, Mike, I would like to talk to all of you out there about Vic's seat visits this season. Receive a special in-game seat visit from Dallas Stars mascot. What's his name, Mike? Uh, It's Victor, and then his middle initial is E, and then his last name is Green. While you can have mascot Victor E. Green at your next Dallas Stars game right at your seat, yeah, your seat visit will include a swag bag of goodies and a custom commemorative puck from Vic himself. All you got to do is visit DallasStars.com slash seat visit to purchase. Sounds fun. So outside of seat visits, how important is just a good start to the season. Now, they harped on this a lot last year. A lot. And then they followed through on it. And p- part of the reason they harped on it is they 
had some stumbles in previous seasons in the opening months. Part of that too had to have been just the the tumult and turmoil, whether it was pandemic driven or coach change or you know whatever was going on. Uh, but last year they they wanted to come out uh, with with a f- fairly hot start, and uh, they they certainly did that. It was important. One hundred percent. Yeah, and and I mean it. It would just it showed off later in the season when you don't have to panic when Scott Wedgwood gets hurt or you know whatever issue you may have had you have that cushion uh, because you and I have talked so much about you know if you shoot for eighth place uh, it can be really tough when you miss <laughs> you know yeah ninth isn't <laughs> a good spot <laughs> ninth is not a good spot so then the fact that you were up there you know battling for first place in the division. It gave you that kind of wiggle room to not panic. Right. So uh, case in point, the Stanley Cup champs, they went eight and two in the opening month. Remember the start they had? And what that allowed Vegas is to roll through, what, five goaltenders during the regular season and all the injuries. And uh, they came back to the norm throughout there, but they had staked themselves to such a comfortable little lead in the Pacific that uh, they could they could handle all those ebbs, right, and get back yeah. to flow, flowing again. But it's weird. So looking at the last 10 Stanley Cup champs, so Vegas won 8 of 10 out of the blocks. The year before, Colorado was just a middling 4-4. Four and four. Uh, Tampa was good. They only lost one of their first uh, six in the opening month. In and that was the year after they had won, which is always a difficult thing, right? Yes. Everyone, you know, it's short summer and party summer, and and everyone's gunning for you. The year prior to that, they went six four and two. You know, so you know, kind of six and six, nothing yeah. that dazzling. St. Louis was such an aberration in twenty nineteen. They went three four and three. I mean, they, they were. They were they were, out, on, they were out of the playoffs at New They years. were on the side of the road and left for dead and right. fired a coach and brought a goalie up from the mine. All kinds of stuff went. And and that can happen. Uh Washington, the year that Ovechkin finally got over the hump. They they were five, six, and one hmm. in the opening month. Pittsburgh, who won back to back. The second year, pretty impressive. They went six, two, and one. Uh the year they won it first, which would have been twenty sixteen, right? Does that sound right? Sure. You're just agreeing. I'm, I'm, I, you're so play along. You're, you're the worst fact checker on planet Earth. Uh, I'm good the, for flow. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, the first year they went six and four. So like Vegas last year uh, and what? Like Pitt, Tampa? In their second years, the year right. after they'd won, everybody else didn't exactly set the world on fire immediately at the beginning of the year. Now, I've, I'm sure if you extended it out, maybe the first two and a half months of the season or something like that, it yeah. would probably prove a little deeper. But uh, I, I think don't diminish the fact that a, a strong start is important. I mean, you go you go one eight and one. Yeah, <laughs> you're in trouble. You're chasing it all year, right? But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this year is going to be interesting out of the blocks. They don't have a ton of games. Correct. For one. 
Uh, and two, I mean, we were there this morning. They had three center icemen in non-contact jerseys four days before the opener. So there's a little bit of concern. They have, they've ballyhooed for good reason their depth up front. And it looks as though it's going to get tested a little bit, and maybe it's a, it's a lucky happenstance that that the if if this continues on, say there is a little bit of nagging in the injury department that they don't have that many games in the early going. Correct. They're you know not playing a, a thick schedule. Yeah, as much as we're two or three games before game one, we're still seven games before game two. So yeah. he, I mean, these guys have a lot of breathing room, yeah. injured players to, if they don't play in game one, they got time. Yes. Are you day to day right now? What are you listing yourself at? You had a, <laughs> you had such a, uh, an exhausting preseason, not quite as, not quite as enervating as mine, but. I'm in the peak of health. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I will say this. I get caught up in it. And part of this is, you know, being attached to the fans and stuff like that, where I'm like, boy, they really stunk those last two precincts. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, what's going on God, here? they can't and score. I know. I'm not even Come there. Come on, make a score, Dallas Stars. Make a score. <laughs> but I get caught up in that. Yeah. Like, I shouldn't. And I tell myself, look, hey. it's just preseason. But when you're watching it, you're going like, hey. they got to be better than this. Hey, hey, hey. The I just went through the opening month records of Stanley Cup champs. If you want to take a deep dive into the importance of preseason hockey for championship teams, you, you're going to get the shock of your life. We've talked about it before. It just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't matter. And and DeBoer was talking about it this morning. How you you do get some good even if you can't ice your your full lineup at all. Not that you do most games, but you'd like to have at least one full dress rehearsal and they couldn't have it because the player's out. Man, you you get the opportunity to watch your your next ones, your prospects, late in the preseason when teams are playing most of their National Hockey League club. It's still not quite the same as a regular season game. Everybody, you know, the vets understand what it is. It's a dress rehearsal and you don't have everybody in there. The intensity's not at the regular season level. But I, I think it's a, a gives you a pretty good little glimpse in some of your prospects. And they, they were able to play, like, you know, Bork and, and Stankoven and, and these kids deep in and uh, important minutes within these preseason games. They got, a, they got a great look. Management got a terrific look at, at where these kids are. Yeah, I'll make the argument, too, that that uh, Harley and Lundquist uh, were pretty much the quote-unquote D-man in three or four of the games that they were playing in, and they're not going to be that during the regular season, but it sure is nice to have that experience. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Uh, so this, the, a lot was also made last year about Pete DeBoer's history of dramatic success spikes for teams in the first season with him behind the bench, uh, and then... Uh, season two comes along and and you ask that question, well, what happened in season two? There's the DeBoer bump in, in year one. How about after that? Certainly lived up to it last season with the stars. What a incredible uh, job he did and his staff did and, and the team. Uh, I think the best example, it's, I don't think you can use every year the, the same. No. I, I say that after saying, well, you compare every year the same in year number one. Because it's pretty much, I mean, 
with Florida 41 wins year one, New Jersey 48 wins year one, San Jose 46 wins year one, Vegas 55 wins if you take it the first 78 games because it was a weird time. And then last year, 47 wins uh, with the Stars and could have been higher if they had overtime and shootouts figured out a little bit better. But there was, you know, different things went on, especially early on in, in his coaching career. Uh, so the best example, I think, of of what we can probably expect here would be San Jose. Yeah. Right? Like – in New Jersey, it was a 48-game schedule the second year. You know, there was just all these sort of uh, weird things outside of his uh, – even in, in uh, Vegas, same same yeah. idea, right? They had to get through pandemic, and then they ran into basically everyone's in the infirmary and that. But if you look at his tenure with San Jose, 46 wins the first season, 46 wins the second season, 45 wins the third season. 46 wins the next season. Yeah. I call that consistent, Mike. That's what I call that. Consistent excellence. One of the things that's an interesting aspect of what he might be able to do or the team might be able to do this year is that in the past, his teams have been among the best in shot differential. And, you know, you can say different things about puck possession and all that. But I think the Stars were plus two last year. Uh, Pete's teams have mostly been plus five or so. So I do think in the second year we could see that part of the Pete DeBoer style come in where you're, you know, you're out shooting teams, you know, five, six shots a, a night on a regular basis. And that's what they did in San Jose. They were, they were a great puck possession team there. All right. So strengths in this group, the, the number one thing that everyone keeps talking about is forwards. And they, yes. they do look like they are uh, four waves of almost the same thing. I mean, there's there's various individuals, obviously, on the lines. The number one line when fully healthy is the number one line. Uh, you have the best left winger in the league. You've got one of the most un, still underrated two-way center Reisman in Rope Hans and a future Hall of Famer in Joe Pavelski. That's what Not you, bad. That's what you start with. Uh, and they feel like they're deeper in they're, – they're, they're deeper in guys with the potential to score – when they're on the ice in their bottom six than they have been fair to yes. say. Yes. And, and the fact that that may indeed help your other guys score as well, a Delandria or a Foxa might become a better offensive player because he's playing with a Craig Smith or a steel or, you know, or if one of the kids come up and are playing on that fourth line. Yeah. Because I mean, if you look at the best teams now that, and, and there's, I would say a hundred percent buy-in by, your top end guys who would like to be out there a lot yeah. that understand if you're, if you're going to play as up tempo as these guys want to play and are encouraged to play, you, you can't play two lines. You, you have no. to, ro- you have to roll four. And I, I said this last year and I, I just, I wonder about it. Obviously it, it's not that big of a deal. I, I wish they would start. I wish they would start better at home. I, I, that's the one thing I wish they would do uh, better. Like, like come yes. out and, and really, you know, hammer down on opponents in the opening 10 minutes where teams come in and they're like, oh, my God, we're in Dallas. We, we just survive the first 10 to 15 minutes. 
Um, and maybe that when you go four lines and there aren't power plays or penalties and everyone's as structured and well-coached as they are, maybe that's too much to ask in, in today's world. Remember back in the day, like, you go into some play, we'll go, go into Detroit, and the Stars had yeah. great teams, but it was like, stay in the game in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. But you saw, you know, you saw Iserman or you saw Datsuk, and it felt like every second shift. And with uh, Nick Lidstrom on defense, you did see him every second shift yes. for a while. That That's just kind of how they rolled things out back in the day. Uh, so the the forward depth and and talent, I would say, uh, healthy, obviously. You know, three guys missing some time in the preseason, but a thin schedule to begin the season and a long season. I think that's going to be a major strength. Obviously, Jake and goal is a strength. There's some teams. You know, I look at a club like L.A. and they they're trying to make that next little step, right? They. They're they're the Edmonton Oilers' little brother. They just keep patting them on the head and that, and and you look at that position, and it just doesn't seem like it matches the rest of kind of what they yeah. have going on there at the point. Maybe it will, but it doesn't seem like it. You don't have that issue here. You've got a you you got a guy as as good as anybody in the league. A young guy who's driven uh, is healthy again. And uh, we'll see a, a nice tandem with with Scott yeah. Wedgwood, who gives you exactly what you would want out of uh, backup. It's not just a night off for your number one. Like you feel like you can win any game with him in there. That's a nice. Yeah, that's a, a nice, nice quality to have. Like when when he was injured, uh, you know, and a lot of teams get this way. You get, you know, if you. And it's one of the other things that was so impressive about the Golden Knights. I mean, they were five deep four or five deep into goaltenders and, uh, and still managed to not, you know, fray. So that Jake, I'm looking for, you know, year three, this, this should be just a stud season for Jake Ottinger. Coaching major strength, right? I mean, they're, they're a well coached bunch and they've added to it, uh, some familiarity. So, uh, Yeah. And then Miro. <laughs> <laughs> Miro. I just love the fact that that there is a growing appreciation for Miro Haskinen's game yeah. around the league. No longer is it just, yeah, they, they can't even pronounce his name right half the time. That Haskinen, Heiskinen, Heiskinen, they'll get it right every time now. They know who he is. On the other side of the ledger, potential or perceived so-called weaknesses. What do you see? I and mean, we we've beaten overtime into the ground, and there's no question it was. And uh, you know, DeBoer hinted that the plan ain't changing, but no. the adherence to the plan better, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and right. and that's part of being a second-year coach too is that he can, you know, be a little bit harder. Uh, on some of these details that he really wants in his game. Yeah. So, and the other thing I think shortage wise is if you compare this to some of the other group of defensemen in the league, uh, the top level defensemen, there's some 
there's some things you could uh, add. Uh, and I think the, the hope is that Harley and Lundquist will add that uh, to some degree. And then Miro, you know, it, it's funny, that group of guys, you know, you're talking about whether that's Hintz or Robertson or Ottinger or Miro, these guys are just getting to their prime. Yeah. And so then you look at a guy like Miro and say, well, you know, him simply being even better is going to make your group of defensemen even better. And yeah. I, I think that's a real possibility. I think you, you know, you look at him going like he went from 36 to 73 points, 74 points. And now he, I mean, he could be going 80, 90 and we'll see, but I mean, that's, he wants to be a Norris trophy candidate. Well, that's what they get. And so it'd be interesting to see if, if that's what's ahead for him. Yeah. I mean, every guy's going to get that major boost when they go to number one power play time. That's yes. where points are stacked. Right. Uh, and yeah, the, the D look, if, if Thomas Harley plays like he did when he came up late last season and in the playoffs, you've got no issue with that, that position on the no. left side, right. Which it looks as though to begin the season, probably your third pair. That's, Look, if Thomas Harley's coming under the three hole and plays like he did last year, yep. you, you don't have you don't have that many issues on on D. The what did you think of? It, it, look, it can change and all that, but the they split up Essa and and Yanni Hockenpah, and you so it looked like something that probably needed to happen because they were just almost exclusively a defending pair and it, that that seems to al almost be extinct in the national hockey league now like you used to always have your your shutdown pair like you just put your shutdown pair you don't shut people down now you don't check people down now you just play and if harley's going to play with with hawk and paw and you're going to have essa with nils lundquist and nils is going to get number two power play He's going to be the the fulcrum up top on that one. They're they're basically saying here, you're getting you're going to get the opportunity, and we believe in you. That's why we're giving yep. you opportunity, and it's up to them to do it. If they do it, they're, I mean, is there a lack of something back there? You have you have some experience. You've you've got puck moving. Yep. They they don't spend a lot of time in their own zone. Is it as heavy as some other decors? No. Could they? I mean, look, if you could find a, a sort of Miro Haskin and B, <laughs> yeah. then good. Go hey. get it. The, the, you know, I, 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 I still wish, and it, it is what it is, I'd like to see Miro play on his strong side. Yes. Too. Like he is playing, you know, he's left shot. He's playing over on the right-hand side. It seems like guys are so talented nowadays they can – slot in wherever although there are some that say i know i cannot go on that side uh but with him he's you know playing quote unquote out of position on d and still as great as he is it's yeah just a phenomenal talent so your biggest worry would be well it would have been those group of defensemen but it's interesting when you were talking through that i'm going i well, fixed you on that you're good you did and well it makes all sense because if indeed you have four lines that you want to score, then every D pair needs a guy who can move the puck to him. And right. that seems like this group is going to be much better at having at least one guy who can move that puck out of the back end and get it to the forwards and let them go spend more time in the offensive zone. Uh, 
so that, yeah, that, that one I, I think is great. And then, you know, I, I think they fixed the overtime stuff. I think it got into their head and, and now they're going to start free. And again, if you lose two or three, then, cause some of those losses were what, 30 seconds. Mm. I mean, they just, you know, they mm. were just like, oh, let's don't lose, don't lose. Whatever you do, don't lose. And when you, as soon as you start thinking, don't lose, you're going to lose. And I think as they, you know, attack loser. it this year. That I know, makes you a, a loser. Loser mantra. I will uh, say this. I think, oh, I'm sorry, Mike, continue on. You're good. I thought you'd no, finished no. your point. I was done. Are you sure? Sure. Uh, there's no point in having a barn full of exotic sports cars if your fuel line doesn't reach. They they just sit there. They look pretty. They just sit there. You need you need the petro. You need that transferred into your exotic sports cars, and that is what you're. Your defense core is charged with doing. Transfer that. Petroleum transfer engineers. Think of them that way. Okay, Mike? Then you got it. Then you got it all going on. Look, my worries. I feel like I'm in Alberta here getting a a seminar on the the petroleum industry. You didn't mention health. I always worry about health. Oh. That's always my biggest worry is, is health. Man, you... You have to stay healthy. I don't care how deep you are. You, you, you have to stay healthy. And I hate when three centers miss time in camp. I don't like that at all. The other one, it, it, appears, and it appears that the power play is going to be their deterrent to anybody or any team that wants to, say, take some liberties or try to take liberties. They don't do it as much as they used to. But if you want to, we look, we witnessed it in the series against the wild, right? Right. Our tough guy will be uh, Jamie, Pav, Robo, Miro, uh, Rope, Tyler, Duchesne. You know, you just go through this. Those guys. Daddy. Lundquist. That that that's gonna be that that's gonna be their their tough guy essentially. It's yeah. very very much. Uh, look, we're not gonna waste a roster spot or anything. Nobody does that really any anymore. And I, I wonder whether they can they can inch closer to the kind of percentage on their power play that a team like the Oilers had last year or Toronto's power play, which was. Right. Like, it's good. Like, the Stars' power play is electric a lot of the time. Uh, but if if any teams out there, especially divisional, think they can get an upper hand by physically going after this, that, or the other thing, I've, I, have, I haven't seen the Stars get overly intimidated by anybody with that anyway. Yeah. And uh, if they want to do it and they do it outside the lines and the Stars' power play clicks, then they won't do it for very long. So there you have that. Uh, Mike's must read this week. Uh, I went back to Hey Heike. Uh, the fans were demanding it. And so uh, I answered I some question questions. And, I question the questioning. I, I will say that I do enjoy the process of them asking questions and me having to sit there and go, well, 
That's a good question. Let me uh, roll this over in my head. And uh, I really honestly try to answer. I try to answer as honestly as I can. And, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't uh, it's not always the easiest for the organization, but I, oh, I so think you, it's fun. Do you research it? Do you go and seek people out? Oh, sources? I I do. And, and mm-hmm. then I also, with my own experience, I could say, you know, somebody was asking about why is this team different? And, and I can talk about, well, Jim Nell had trouble finding a head coach and, you know, he went through a bunch of them and it didn't work for a while. And now he seems to have found a head coach and, and that coaching staff, I think, has the potential to be here for quite some time. That's that a big your change. Hey Heika this week? Was that that a big was one? one of them. That was one yeah. of the questions. And How I many do questions think do you a, take in Hey Heika? Uh, it's usually 10, 10 to 12. And do they Some, remain? Somebody asked about you, and uh, I, it's, I, I discarded that question. Is that, are you trying for humor now, or what are you doing? The, <laughs> uh, do they stay up there forever? Can we, can we source yeah. them? Yeah. 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 Do, you want me, uh-huh. do you want me to tweet that out again today? I don't know. I, I, it's Mike's must read. You must uh, read Hey Heike. Is that what you're saying? Well, there were two, uh, two stories, and this was last year's or last week's must read, that when the cuts came out, I retweeted the cuts with a link to Hey Heike and with the link to the uh, how, te- how players uh, are uh, battling differently to become NHL players. And I think it helps a reader if you're reading, well, why, why is Stan Coven cut? Why is Bork cut? Well, go read Hey Hike and he'll say, this is why. Or why, oh you God. Know, why yes. is Bixel going back to the AHL? Well, here's Hey Hike saying why Bixel's going back to the AHL. Look it's at just that. One, one of the, the real buzzwords around, especially football nowadays, is complimentary football. Ooh. That, that's complimentary writing right there. there you go. That's what that is. That that's like a like a little sidekick, not a sidebar, but a sidekick to your actual story and multiple platforms and what have you. Congratulations, Mike. So hey, Ike is what you want to seek out. Podman of the week, very quickly. Uh, who was your podman of this week? I told you this one and you laughed at it. I did. Uh, Yanni Hockenfa like yeah. gave a great interview. Uh, just We were just in there, you know, talking to the guys in the locker room and he just has remarkable answers. So we asked yeah. him about them going to, to uh, Palm Springs and he said, uh, well, uh, you know, in training camp, we're all split up. He goes, but once we get together and I get a chance to learn the new guys, he goes, I think that I fight harder when I know the person. And I was like, whoa, I, like I wasn't seeking that at all. But he literally believes that them going to Palm Springs will help him help his teammates even more because he'll get to know them better and he'll fight even harder. And then we asked him about what does he think in his head, uh, English or Finnish. And he gave a great answer on that one, too. So Yanni's my uh, pod man of the week. You know, we that, haven't had any real games. Was that your Finnish Yeah, accent? that's what I was talking to you. That was your Finnish no, accent no, it was at the beginning a, of like, that? When, yeah, no, yeah, that was my Yanni. Yeah. He speaks Swedish, Finnish, and English, so I had to combine all three for my accent. Yeah, well, it sounded like it. It sounded like you were combining <laughs> a lot of languages in that one. He's a good dude, like big big Yanni, and it makes sense. Doesn't that make sense? That's why these teams have these yes. bonding uh, excursions early in, in the year. As much as I think all of us on the outside think, well, they're around each other all the time. Yeah. I mean, they practice every day. They're at camp and that. But it's, it's, 
it, it's kind of compartmentalized when they're there and it's, yeah. it's work time and that, and then this group it worked there and that it's not the collective. It's not everyone together kind of getting to know one another a little deeper and, and better. The blues who are the stars opening night opponent uh, are, are here today. It's Monday yeah. and they are traveling here. They're going to stay up in Frisco and they're going to bond. Where are we going to bond Mike? When, when does, when does Dallas stars digital writing broadcast bond? When is that? Used to be in Calgary. Isn't there a nice bar right across there, the hotel? No, either that one or the one in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's times. There's times we get to be out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll set up some kind of a bonding thing. Okay. In the meantime, the wait is in fact over, Mike. The stars are aligned and Texas hockey is back bigger and better than ever. Now is your chance to experience the electrifying intensity of Dallas Stars hockey at American Airlines Center this season. You won't want to miss a single shot, big hit, or an epic save. Tickets for all 2023-24 games are on sale now at DallasStars.com. Those are called drops, Mike. And I just friggin' nailed a drop. Two of them, in fact. On this one. You're very talented. Yeah. I think in post, they'll probably put some kind of a zinger, uh, music bed as it's known in the business, all that kind of stuff. It'll sound much better than it did in your headphones during this. Okay. Live fire exercises begin this week. Blues for the home opener. Uh, I'll be stabbing it with wit, all kinds of hyperbole on the ticket and... Valley Sports Southwest through the technological wonderment of the simulcast. Did you know the LA Kings are joining us in the simulcast world this year? Everybody says it's the right way to do it. Well, we 30 years later. <laughs> 30 years later. You got anything else, Colombo? No, I'm good on this one. All right. Well done. Well done. Hey, everybody. Enjoy the opener. We'll talk to you next week when we have some actual regular season NHL hockey action to break down. For Mike Heika, I'm the Razor Boy. Turn it off. Turn it off, Tom. Turn it off. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. You know who started in goal for that Gretzky team? You're talking to him. Take your Dallas Stars fandom to the next level and guarantee your seats at American Airlines Center this season with a 10-game plan. Shot tip, score! Jamie Benn! Fans can choose from four great plans and will receive savings on single-game prices and service fees. Plus, priority access to Stanley Cup playoff tickets. Fans will also have the option to exchange one game on their schedule so you won't miss any of your favorite matchups. Visit DallasStars.com for more info.